2: Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out.
3: This is Psychoanalysis. This is Psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast, analyzing the horror genre through the lens of mental health. I'm Jen Adams. I'm Lara Anerstahl.
0: And I'm Mike Snoonian.
3: And guys, I'm so excited because we have our very first guest today. We are welcoming Michael Rothman. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: No, thanks for having me. Uh, this is a creaky house, and, uh, and I'm a little uh, creeped out by the the dead dog in the living room. Oh uh, yeah, right <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> I heard a skunk did it, so I think we're probably okay. Um, no man could do that. I know. It had to have been a skunk. Um, we'll get to the skunk murder later. Um, so <laughs> we not only have our very first guest today, but we are starting, um, but we're starting a new type of episode. We're going to do comfort horror mini episodes, and I'm so excited about this because we um, For one reason, we just get to talk about movies that we love. um, And we've been talking about some really heavy stuff. And while I think that's really important, and I love talking about that too, we kind of wanted to lighten the mood a little bit and just kind of talk about um, the horror that makes us feel really good. Yeah. Um, So we're going to be talking about our comfort horror movies, and we are starting with Halloween.
2: Oof,
1: love it. The classic. And I think that Michael Rothman... Of the Losers Club, Halloweenies, and Consequence of Sound may like this movie. Is it safe to say that?
4: <laughs> uh, just a little bit. I, I've, I've dabbled in this film. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen the first 15 minutes, and I caught the last <laughs> 10 at uh, the, 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 the when I was getting my car fixed about 10 years ago. Oh, um, yeah? During October. No, no, no. I've seen this movie <laughs> probably, not even exaggerating, um, close to a thousand times. I, I, I don't and I know that sounds like hyperbole and it's really not. I, <laughs> I, I think it's so perfect that the topic of this episode is comfort horror because I literally fell asleep with this movie and the soundtrack. I'm not even maybe for 10 years straight. Like oh, wow. It's, yeah, it's it's a it's certainly something I love uh, to escape into.
3: Yeah. Well, and you have the Halloweenies podcast that has we do. literally named after this movie, too. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, I joked on the uh, during dinner tonight, um, you know, uh, Sam was like, well, you don't have to, you know, do any notes for this episode. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, because I'm pretty sure I uh, distilled all my thoughts on this film in either my review or the 30 hours that we spent <laughs> dissecting the franchise in 2018, I, which it might even be more than 30 hours. I think hours, between I think. our
0: yeah. two shows... We've said somewhere between sixty and seventy hours on the yeah. Halloween franchise. Like you can pretty much <laughs> listen to like Halloweenies and the pod on the pendulum and then never have to listen to another podcast <laughs> on Halloween again because you cover everything between them. There's like no
4: ground oh, everything. So. Yeah, you've explored every
1: pore of that mask, every hair on its head, every
3: crease in that yeah. jumpsuit. You've seen Every it. Every seed in that pumpkin. <laughs> yes. yeah. I was
4: gonna say, yeah. I was gonna. We're carving the pumpkins of yeah. all Michael Myers movies. Yeah.
3: And I actually didn't do much prep tonight too because I knew between the two of you guys that you would. <laughs> we're have good. Yeah. It. I feel like yeah, I can just <laughs> let it let it
1: glide tonight. I know. Nice <laughs> like yeah,
3: pumpkins. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> um, Well, so let's talk, and we're gonna kind of be a little more loose with this episode. Um, and uh, but let's talk about our first experience with this movie. So Michael, you said that you watched it for like 10 years straight did you just sit in an asylum and watch it for 10 years straight never talking never saying anything
4: (laughs) I did and like my weird doctor just kept checking in on me and I was just like get out of here oh yeah no um (laughs) no I you know it's it's so strange with Halloween because I have so many vivid memories of watching it but at the same time I really don't remember the first time I watched it it's really like murky um I I remember Ooh, I So growing up, my parents let me just rent anything at Blockbuster. My dad worked at Blockbuster, um, like, as he ran their magazine. And I'm from South Florida, Miami. So the Blockbuster's headquarters, so to speak, were down in South Florida. And um, my dad always just let me watch, like, R-rated movies, like, nonstop. But so for me growing up, it was never a question of, like, what I couldn't watch. It was just what can I find? What can I get? Um, so really early on, I cleaned up, like the horror section at Blockbuster and they you know they just I'd walk in and they'd be like oh there's that creepy you know kid that's <laughs> going in there and renting you know a Richard Grieco movie okay great um and so with Halloween I want to say <laughs> I right around the time that Curse of Michael Myers came out so around like 95 I had heard so long about like how Halloween was the scariest movie and you know I always loved the holiday um And so I I remember thinking, all right, well, I got to see this movie, but I want to say that I rented Halloween five because six, you know, Chris Michael Myers was coming out. So I rented Halloween five and I remember it sitting in my room and I just looked at it and I remember my cousin and all my friends on the block and my neighbors all telling me how like this is the scariest franchise and Michael Myers is so scary and having no context of who Michael Myers is. You know the face itself is really jarring it's like really mm-hmm. scary and something that just kind of sticks with you so I think I I didn't even watch five because I thought it was too evil and then <laughs> I brought it back and then I remember bringing it back and that was and I want to say Blockbuster had this really cool copy I don't have it with me anymore but it it had like Laurie Strode in the cover and it had Michael coming out of some like building that actually is not even in the movie. It's like a weird promotional photo that I've never seen before. So I bought that. And then I, I think I watched the VHS or I watched it on NBC that year. Either way. But th- what's funny is that I skipped literally the entire franchise and watched The Curse of Michael Myers in theaters because I snuck into the in, in, that in that in 95. So I, I either saw The Curse of Michael Myers first Or I did actually watch Halloween 5 or I watched it on the VHS. Either way, it led to me just becoming so, like, enraptured and, like, voraciously obsessed with this franchise that I, like, created, like, a stupid AOL, like, (laughs) uh, website that I dedicated my, like, three or four years to um, and had watch parties with friends and um dressed up as Michael Myers I think for like five years straight and <laughs> finally I was like all right I'm done with this um but yeah so this is a franchise that just it means the world to me um it was a real joy for us to be able to create create the Halloweenies uh you know series because it really felt like a kind of culmination at that point but here we are uh <laughs> two years later and i'm still talking about this movie so, yeah
3: it's yeah. gonna follow you for the rest of your days i think yeah and you'll have <laughs>
4: yeah, to talk about much. it
0: at least two more times when <laughs> 2021 and 2022 oh that's, that's cool. right
1: this is yeah like homer simpson getting all the donuts in the world mm-hmm. and he just has to keep yeah. eating <laughs> right. and eating the... and he just keeps <laughs> eating them you know yeah um, and he's happy yeah. about it
3: <laughs> he is Laura, what's your first time? Do you remember watching this?
1: I also have a very murky memory of the first time seeing it. I feel pretty confident that it was something they would air edited versions of on some Mm -hmm. TV station, whether it was like, I feel like my dad always left on WGN, which is a a local station here in Chicago, and then they'd play weird movies at night. And it was either that or some other local station that I'm pretty sure, because my my only memories of it are really the scene where she's in the closet with the slatted doors and that Mm -hmm. was like a very very distinct memory that I had and I probably when I was young was like oh I'm not going to watch the whole thing I'm only going to watch little bits and pieces of it and freak myself out and then turn it off because as I've discussed before I was very very scared of horror for a long time I was attracted to it and I would want to take like little Mm -hmm. glimpses at it but I just could not handle it for You know, most like pretty much my entire childhood, you know, I liked things like Beetlejuice and stuff like that, but not like true horror. So this was definitely on the list of things where I was like, this has always existed. This always will exist, but I'm not gonna, I'm I'm not ready. And I I think Mm -hmm. when I was a little older, probably high school or college, I know that I saw all of it and watched a bunch of the sequels. Um, Yeah. And I mean, for me, it's really that John Carpenter direction and the score that set it apart from what would become known as, like, slasher films, you know, and all that, you know, this and and, um, Nightmare on Elm Street are the ones that really... Um, are probably the most meaningful to me. Definitely, Nightmare on Elm Street is my number one horror franchise, like, as I discussed on season two of Halloweenies yeah. extensively. <laughs> um, so you could just listen to those other podcasts. Like, to turn this shit off? No, I'm just kidding. Please don't turn it off. We need this. <laughs> we do. Uh, but but yeah. So I mean, the, so I don't. I didn't quite connect to this one as much as I did to Nightmare on Elm Street. But it definitely is like I can throw this on the aesthetic of it. That's sort of 70s, like, you know, sort of mm-hmm. a slightly mm-hmm. sepia. The brown color tones and uh, that soundtrack and just the way that it's directed John Carpenter is the master of like fucking building up tension because having just rewatched this the other night I hadn't watched it in a while and I was like oh shit the action really doesn't happen until like the last 30 minutes of the movie that's when the la- like the killing really starts and stuff so it's like this slow build up um, and it's really and it's the payoff is really so much the better for it because of that so
3: yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mike what about you So
0: I actually have more vivid memories of seeing the second and third one before seeing the original. Um, With the third one, I had an uncle who like every Friday after school, I would go to his house with my cousin. It was my cousin's house. I would go there and he was the uncle that kind of um, really like first put the seeds of like loving movies into mm-hmm. me like every christmas eve he took all of us to a movie so the families could get their houses set up so mm-hmm. like at age five i saw flash gordon in theaters um oh, nice yeah it was i think i need to do brian blessed as my halloween costume is hawkman <laughs> and maybe frame a picture of him on my desk and with it just says dad and see if anybody <laughs> Um, See if anyone notices, but he would rent. He also had the first VCR of anyone in the family because my dad was notorious for like researching the hell out of anything that costs more than $50. So he would literally read like every article under the sun before he would make a purchase where my uncle was just like, eh, you know, we're going to roll the dice and and see how this goes. So (laughs) it was like the old school top loaded VCR with like the corded remote control, and he would just like rent The Shining and Halloween three and movies like that and just let it rip. Like, you know, nice. yeah, you can handle it, um, which I couldn't, but that's all right. <laughs> so I remember seeing Halloween three and the, and that really sticking with me, especially the kids' head melting. Um, oh yeah, good. And, and then Halloween two. Was just like that was the movie that played every Halloween season multiple times on like the local um, UHF affiliate, like Channel in Boston, it's Channel 56 WLVI. And they would just have like before there was AMC um, Fear Fest, like your UHF stations would do the horror marathons. And every October, um, Halloween 2 was played multiple times. And I just remember like obviously edited down but they had like the hot tub scene and how like the melted face of like the nurse and how that really stuck with me and how Mm. like terrifying that was but at the same time like i couldn't not watch that that
4: scene Um, that really that really scarred me too oh yeah yeah and yeah
0: Yeah. and i think we'll talk like later on like when movies were watching and for like halloween parties and whatnot like what's Mm -hmm. the appropriate um Because man, Halloween and Halloween Two are just a fantastic like one-two punch. Mm -hmm. Totally, it really play out. And I think with the original Halloween, it had to be just like a VHS rental. Like, all right, we've seen two and three, and I remember even seeing maybe even four before the original Halloween um, because it was over some like girl's house in high school that I really wanted to date. So I remember watching that movie. Mm -hmm. And not watching it, just being a complete smartass, like the whole movie, (laughs) trying to impress her. Right. Um, But I think that I could say, like, similar to you, Michael, like, I've seen since then the original Halloween, even if I can't remember the first time, more times than I care to remember. Because it really is just an absolutely perfect film. And I think, and I can't take credit for this, there was a podcast that ran in the late 2000s uh, through the early teens... Uh, called horror, etc., and they did a whole retrospective on John Carpenter. And I think the best quote I ever heard about Carpenter, or the best description, was he had a, he brought took B movies and made them with an A list level of talent and craft. Totally. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, exactly. I
1: mean, that is exactly mm-hmm.
0: it in a nutshell. Yeah. So, you know, you took this little independent, you know, cost nothing to make movie, um, and it's just an idea like what will teens go see um but you have this guy who has so much talent behind it and he brought such an incredible crew with him i mean you think of just like all the films that dean kandi has gone on yeah. to lens and just i think that this movie may not work um quite as well as it does if it wasn't for kandi i agree 100% it, um,
1: yeah, like so just many iconic son. shots in this this fucking mm-hmm. thing. Like mm-hmm. it really, I mean, it made you realize, yeah. like, oh, mm-hmm. this is how you can do these kind of like quiet scares right. that build dread, and mm-hmm. like it just, ugh, I could geek out about it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, the, and just Deborah Hill's ability to write dialogue for young teen women that sounds believable and makes mm-hmm. them and makes them likable, um, and makes you kind of care for them for the few minutes they're on screen. Um, I've seen this more times than I. Care to recall, <laughs> and it's um, one of those things with like Halloween season coming up. Like, it's a given that I'll watch this maybe up to like half a dozen times, like, and we'll throw it on in the backyard on like the hundred inch projector. We oh, have that, back sounds there. Yeah. Right? I'm so jealous, we'll I'm so jealous of that. We'll crank it up, uh, we'll crank it up, and we'll have a really fun time with it. Wait, yeah. I have
4: a question on that mm-hmm. so have because we've seen it so many times don't you feel like like i've you know i've had shutter on in the background for the last year and a half um just because we closed our office here in chicago um last october or september um and so i've literally just been at home most of the time and i usually have shutter playing on the background and throughout the year or this past year Shutter will just like randomly throw on halloween on the tv uh-huh. thing and i always change it because i've I, there's a part of me that's like all right i have to have restraint i'm gonna wait till October, mm-hmm. and then. There's like something like nowadays, like I almost like make sure that I just the first time I rewatch it in October. There's like something special about like I I have Mm -hmm. to like it's almost like a a ceremony, Mm -hmm. if you
0: will. It's funny because the thing is like that for me. Like I always Mm. watch the thing the first night that it snows. (laughs) Oh, nice! That's cute. Yeah, that's like my um, that's my tradition. Um, I think like this year in particular, just because like it's been such a clusterfuck of a year. That like if I had Shutter on in the background and Halloween was on, like you know what I love this movie. I'm just gonna watch <laughs> it. And um, but what I in but I, I agree with what you're saying. Like you almost want to wait to like o- officially October first before you put it on because mm. then it's like all right now it's a really spooky season. Yeah. But I think the soundtrack is something you can listen to. Year round. Like it yeah. does, like that. I can just, if I'm writing, I'll just throw on like a mix of carpenter and Same. Totally. lose myself <laughs> in that.
4: Year round for me. So I, I, there's not a day that goes by. And I know this, again, it sounds like hyperbole, but it is 100% true. Not a day that goes by where I don't listen to John Carpenter. Mm-hmm.
2: Really?
1: So, I, I yeah. listen to a lot of his those albums that he did that are, like, non-soundtrack. Only. He's really yeah. good. Like, I love that sort of, like, dark, synth-wavy-sounding fucking shit. Love it, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sensing an opportunity for us to do a, ho- a Halloween, like, or horror remix workout album. Uh, <laughs> yes. So just, like, all of your favorite soundtracks, like the soundtrack to Hereditary, remixed for jogging, you know. Um, anyway, yeah. just, just another million-dollar idea I'm leaving on the table. <laughs>
3: Well, we can use some of the the choreography from uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, also with yes, the yes. girls Ooh. in this band,
2: <laughs>
1: and bang, ding. and the the dance scene from Fright Night. You know, we've got- oh, oh yeah. of you course, so many. Yes. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is a great <laughs> idea, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's going places. It <laughs> is, yeah. We'll you throw could...
3: a little Dirty Dancing in there just because I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, know. Not, yeah,
0: you could have a <laughs> remix of like Danny Pugh and. Tony Collette just screaming in summer <laughs> and oh my god, In Hereditary, just a remix of that. <laughs>
4: oh well, I remember growing up when uh, I don't know if anyone remembers the Sega CD, but um, they used to have this uh, great uh, adaptation of the Terminator for Sega <gasps> CD. And when you got to the uh, Club Noir, um, and you play Kyle Reese, which is amazing. It was like a, it was just a godsend to me because Kyle Reese is one of my favorite characters of all time. But mm. like. Um, you get to go into the club and they just remix like this wacko, like almost um, aphex twin type remix that is just all the dialogue from the movie. So it's just like, it's just him and me and me. (laughs) And then it just keeps going. It's like, it's not a machine, cyber, cybernetic organism. And then it's a cyborg, cyborg. And like, it just, so sometimes like, i'll just be walking around and that song gets stuck in my head and i like have to go to youtube to like look it up so you that could easily amazing. do that with any horror movie any horror yeah. movie so
3: I, we need to have yeah. listeners submit this to us yeah. because i don't know how to do any of that stuff but i'll choreograph if some fun stuff too
1: if anyone is a dj a mix master uh, great has look a good what? soundboard please submit yeah. your, your track Help us out. Yeah. We'll stuff yeah
3: we'll play them on the episode i would love that um, <laughs> I would love. I Great would. Blast. I
1: would love nothing more than if somebody actually did that. That would be amazing.
0: If we could do a remix, new theme for the show. with beatboxing.
1: Yes, the hip hop version of our uh, of our intro track that I created and was is really bizarre
3: and strange and I'm it's still really embarrassed cool. by it but I love it. <laughs> now I love it's really it. cool I do have a friend who's a beatbox beatboxer yeah um now they think about it yeah he was actually sponsored by some mics like mic companies oh really not like oh. like Michael's like random he was Michaels, sponsored so by the two mics that are on this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or right. you're
4: sponsored by the fine yeah. craft stores Michael's that oh yeah some wonderful Halloween decor mm.
3: um, I love they also have good yarn I love Michaels. They do. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I definitely did not expect to get up today and <laughs> to hear the phrase, I have some
1: friends. <laughs> I know, but, yeah.
3: Not- hey, that's our comfort horror episode. Every then. Every day horror. is an
1: adventure. <laughs> never doubt. <laughs> right. Never doubt what, what's to come. Out of curiosity. I Never just, stop, never stop. Exactly. <laughs> don't stop believing. Um, are there any other like holiday movies that you watch like i'm just thinking like that conversation you were having about not wanting to start watching it until october made me think of like i watch jaws every fourth of july i'm Mm -hmm. curious now Mm -hmm. if there are other movies that you save for different pockets of time besides the thing
3: yeah i watch sunshine every tax day (laughs) that is my tradition (laughs) because i'm Uh married to a cpa and so like my so that tax season just sucks um and so every, I just, a couple of years ago, I started just taking the day off on April 15th and I watched Sunshine every day. I don't yeah. exactly know what the connection there is for me, but it's my thing. I love it. Nice. And Killian I Murphy's do. hot, so. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Yes, I, the day after Thanksgiving, I do Goodfellas every year. Mm. That is just like, I don't know why, like there's really no association with the holiday. It just like happened one mm-hmm. year. Um, I, you know
2: yeah I, it worked out last year
4: because they got they gave you um the three and a half hour version of goodfellas with the uh, oh, yeah. irishman
0: <laughs> still i love scorsese yeah. and i i still haven't watched yeah, the Irishman. i can't I know, make a lot myself say
1: mean. i can't i'm just like just today yeah. the day and then i'm like no today is not the day
3: <sighs> i saw the first season i haven't finished it yet <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, nice
4: well, when uh, did when did you first see? Uh, what was the? Yeah, Jen, what, what is, is your earliest memory? Halloween.
3: Um, yeah. Well, okay, so my mom claims that. And my mom hates horror movies, and she's terrified of them. She claims that she watched this while she was pregnant with me, so technically, I guess that would be the first time I heard it. Although I wouldn't have been able to see it, <laughs> and she claims that that's why I love horror movies. Um, she didn't but... set
1: your fate, set your fate in motion. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah.
3: And you know what? I'm I'm okay with it. Um, but I think that I saw this really late. Like I did not grow up watching this movie, and I kind of like what Laura was saying. I was really afraid of the slashers. Um, Because like they seemed like Michael and Jason, I remember, seemed to be like so like devoid of like humanity. And that was really scary to me. Um, And so the first Halloween movie I saw was uh, H2O, which is still my favorite one of the (laughs) franchise. Um, I just love it. And I mean, I you know, that's not coming from a critical uh, lens. That's just like the attachment I have to it. And my big crush on Josh Hartnett Um, but I watched. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hair and all, man. I love it. Um, But I remember watching this. Um, I think it was like I was an adult and I think I had actually watched Rob Zombie's Halloween before I saw this one too. And I just like there was, and I think at a certain point there was a part of me that kind of avoided it because I was like, well, I've come this far and I haven't seen it. And it's not going to be scary because it's old. Um, and it was when I really, I think I started watching the Scream franchise and I fell in love with like the concept of the final girl. And Mm -hmm. that's what I really love about this movie. I just love Lori so much. I think I'm like a really empathetic watcher of movies and I tend to like really enjoy something if I can relate to a character really strongly. And so, and I just love Lori. And it's never really seemed to be very scary to me. I think because I think about Lori and I think about like her arc. And so like that's the first thing I think of is her overcoming Michael, not necessarily him being scared. but yeah, I remember I watched it one day while I was folding laundry, and I think this is a movie that was he you, there? He, <laughs> yeah, was he <laughs> oh, no. on the clothesline? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I
3: did hear some weird stuff out there, but um, that I just and I saw some puffs of smoke, but he he was <laughs> nice. gone by the time I got there. Um, but I feel like this is a movie that if you're not really paying attention, especially now, like you may not. Become immersed in it You know Because I was watching it I was like okay This is pretty good And then I really sat down And watched it A little while later And I was like Oh okay This is really good I get it And I see That's And now
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say That's what I mean The scares are quiet Like they don't use Like they jump really scare are. sound effects Until that last Like last act Where all the action happens Right and Everything up until that point Is super slow and quiet But I, I love that I know it, so. have,
0: and Have you ever seen The YouTube clip It's um it was basically audio recorded oh. from a screening of Halloween. No, like when, no, on its first that sounds run. so fun. And it is um, just like a three minute clip, and it's a scene like right after the closet scene where Michael sits up, mm. and you get the audience reaction to seeing that. Oh, in night. before that was even a trope and for and like people, the killers to yeah. come back alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And people lost their minds in a way that, like, it was... It's like the Alamo Draft House is worse than <laughs> But it was, like, absolutely the... It was, like, amazing. It was just, like, awesome to hear it. I would definitely seek it out. It's really cool to hear, like an absolutely packed theater have like that much of a
1: visceral The thing that I miss most about movie theaters is like the shared horror watching experience. That's like my favorite Mm -hmm. thing in the world is when everyone collectively gets scared and so I'm definitely going to just Mm -hmm. put that on loop in the background. Yeah, Yeah. a weird ASMR thing for myself. Yeah.
3: (laughs) 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 I saw Get Out in theaters and that was probably my favorite theater going because Mm -hmm. like the audience was so into it and like gasped and laughed at all the great time and the, the part at the end with the card door like I just remember this big cheer Yeah, everybody was losing it. was it. so oh. much fun yeah that well, it- that
4: that is why I really do hold H2O still over like H20 or H18 mm-hmm. um or Halloween Halloween if you will <laughs> because when there is uh, there's just I mean I, I get like they you know they created two different stories for Laurie here and, and you, you know, you'll be discussing it soon but yes, we will. <laughs> um when she grabs the axe in H2O and screams Michael like we talked yes. about this in Halloweenies but like my theater experience for that because I went to a pre-screening for that. Um, I don't know how the hell I got invited. I was only like 14 at the time, but um, <laughs> we the, the the theater just went nuts. Just yeah. went nuts, and especially at the end mm-hmm. with the decapitation, th- like it was it was the wildest experience I've had at a theater where people were just standing up, they were throwing popcorn, people were going nuts. And oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it's definitely um, <laughs> it's it, it definitely was a, a head turner. It's and that's something I, I I truly do miss in movies. I went to. See *Night of the Living Dead* back in August, um, at the Music Box here, and everyone was really far and distant, and it was actually kind of perfect for *Night of the Living Dead* because everyone is kind of trying to stay away from each other in that movie <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit, but they're also kind of tra- trapped. But I do miss having the screams uh, with yeah. everyone. Yeah.
3: Well, and it's funny because I think I had seen him sitting up so many times before mm-hmm. I actually saw the movie, especially because I used to be obsessed with that Bravo's 101 Scariest yeah. Movie Moments. <laughs> yes, I love those. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of something I watch every year, um, and it's, I love now, it's like this really fun game of trying to like pretend that I was in that original audience and like imagine what it would be like if I didn't know like the twist or what was going to happen. And the one that I have the most fun of that with is uh, Terminator 2, like going in and thinking that um, the Terminator is still like the Terminator from the first one and not yeah. to spoil a like 20 year old movie that is the greatest movie of all time. But <laughs> well, um. I,
4: I went to Terminator 2 when it first came out in did theaters, you? and I did not not know that he was the good guy. <gasps> um, really? Yeah. Oh so it was it was really interesting and, and and in hindsight, I guess now, like I always thought that was the case that people just didn't know. Mm-hmm. But then you watch the trailers and you're like, okay, well clearly he's holding John, so yeah. that's not mm-hmm. the case. But um yeah, it really was like a surprise element and you do feel like Sarah Connor when yeah. he appears. Um, <sighs> I just love but, it. Well,
3: you know. speaking of another movie that we've described as the greatest movie <laughs> of all time, <laughs> um, let's read our movie synopsis. And Michael, you actually wrote this today. So would you <laughs> mind would you care to read your synopsis of Halloween?
4: Sure. Um I'm gonna try to do it in the narration voice from the original trailer. <laughs> Please. Um, oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, In October 1963, one month before John F. Kennedy would be killed by the U.S. government, a young boy by the name of Michael Myers killed his sister Judith in the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois. Fifteen years later, Halloween 1978, the boy is back in town. And no, he's not (laughs) heading to Dino's Bar and Grill. He's going trick-or-treating for babysitters. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasence, this John Carpenter masterpiece is what Amazon user Cranky Bear calls the first the original the best
3: you know yeah. i think her opinion is just the best so i'm so glad that you threw that review I, I get all my
1: opinions from cranky
3: bear <laughs> cranky bear yeah yeah she sounds I've, really objective I, you know <laughs>
0: i've i've heard that that's actually pauline keels
4: uh, <laughs> oh. she pulled like at like Sorry. an andy kaufman so she's still alive and she's just writing like
3: uh yeah exactly
2: yeah. Exactly. That's the. I love that synopsis. Thank great. you so much, and well. I love
3: the voice too. Although to I was about like to start that. singing, "The boys are back in town." That's
4: well. Like, I is I, that what you're going for? Laugh, <laughs> yeah, because I always laugh at that line in the song because it's like, I love that they specify the bar name, Dino's Bar and Grill. It mm-hmm. just like makes it like, and I love that song, but it makes it sound seem like a Chili's ad for me or something. Yeah, <laughs> it
1: <was> sponsored content. It was the first example of sponsored content.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it was just a small budget. You know, they had to make ends yeah. meet. Maybe that was who provided like the uh, the craft services <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> do you know? yeah
3: yeah um well okay so let's move into our feelings check um and we're going to skip some of the stuff that we usually do in our normal episodes and just kind of talk and we've been kind of going off on tangents which I think is fun and fantastic um but so how do we feel when we first watch this movie
4: I mean I, I think what's great and what makes this film so timeless is the fact that Uh, The whole film is built on comfortability, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's based on small town America and, you know, where the streets are supposed to look safe. You know, the houses are supposed to look cozy. The people are supposed to look friendly. And, you know, I think for me (laughs) at a time where we have the Internet and headlines and 24 seven news and we hear about the horrors of the world it's actually that sort of innocence of small-town America really hits home in this sort of escapism Mm -hmm. in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Even though I know that the boogeyman is in this movie and I know that the shape is the shadow that, you know, Tommy's looking at it across the street... There's something about this small town America with the Bradbury esque streets and, you know, the, the leaves, you know, falling down all over the streets. And even though it was in the summer when they yes, filmed very it very clearly um, in the summer, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's something about it with the twinkling of a uh, carpenter's score that really, um, it, it's escapism for me. It, there, mm-hmm. There's, there's a, there's a, um, uh, a simplicity to the lifestyle of Haddonfield that I, I kind of yearn for in a weird way. Um, yeah. And that's, for me, what makes it comfortable. And that's what that I think hooks you in, even in the beginning of the movie, where you hear the kids say, you know, trick-or-treat, and you're in this small town, even though you're in the point of view of a killer, it's things that you're comfortable with. They're things mm-hmm. that you love, you know? Um, yeah. So it's like
3: a regular looking house too. It's not yeah. like a big mansion. Like it feels like very lived in and real. Um, and that's what I've been drawn to. Cause this is kind of emerging as my 2020 comfort movie. And I've watched it probably more times this year than I have in my life. Um, and I, love like my favorite part is the beginning like the first hour of the movie Um, Mm -hmm. and just because it's that that October feel you know um, and it's the fall and it's my favorite time of the year and so I always kind of geek out whenever like the leaves start changing and that's what I think this movie feels like and it's until like the part that my least favorite part probably as much as I love Lori is the ending because I just love all of the build up and I love her walking down the street and just like the the wind and her hair you know Mm -hmm. it's just I love it yeah I
1: completely hear what you're saying about the like small town America to me this feels like a classic campfire tale brought to life it feels like every urban legend Mm -hmm. you hear as a kid you know it's kind of like the platonic ideal of that kind of story Um, even we just watched the burbs for a recent episode and and, you know they were telling that story about like oh did you hear about Some guy over in the next town who went crazy and killed his family. And this is like every town has a story about some family thing where something went horribly wrong. And uh, in this case, it's like a little psycho boy who kills his sister. And Mm -hmm. that just had that ring. I can see why this hooks young people so much, like people at like pre adolescent, adolescent folks, because it just has that it captures that like teenage energy so well. Um, And Mm -hmm. like this and this sort of dark and underbelly of Americana vibe so for those of us that are drawn to not just Norman Rockwell but we want it with a dark underbelly like this really seals the deal um, and again like I was saying earlier like the, the direction of, of John Carpenter to mm-hmm. front load the tension so much in this movie makes it really excellent and so like I think mm-hmm. probably the first time you watch it that you really are immersed in it it's really scary and tense. and the tenth time you watch it that like slow build up kind of becomes almost relaxing (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's like Mm -hmm. oh I can just enjoy the aesthetics of this and you know Michael Myers is popping up here and there Mm -hmm. and then like so once you've gotten over the initial tension of watching it not knowing what's going to happen it actually just sort of becomes kind of relaxing and aesthetically pleasing and it's it's weirdly yeah comforting Um, yeah yeah, like I I said it, it didn't for it well I didn't have that adolescent experience with it and I kind of yearn to have that a little bit like I wish I could have enjoyed this when I was at that age but uh Mm -hmm. you know and especially now watching as an adult feels a little weird with all the like teenage girls showing their boobies and all this kind of stuff like that aspect of it feels a little strange to me now but um Mm -hmm. it's still like it's such a product of its time for better and for worse but a lot for the vast majority for better you know Um, and it's just a really weirdly peaceful watching experience yeah
0: I think what's wonderful about this movie is it's because it's so endlessly rewatchable and there's so much going on in it it's something that you get to pick up something new on almost every single time you watch it. like it rewards you in that way. or like Michael, you said, you like could mm-hmm. fall asleep to it that because it has that ability to kind of lull you in and give you this picture of like a small town America that I think for a lot of us we still Want to achieve or want to strive to because it depicts that so well. You can just throw it on in the background and and fall asleep to it, um, and then with the stingers of the sk- soundtrack come back, yeah. big, you, <laughs> you set up, and up and go,
2: ah, ah. kind of
0: freak the hell out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it's it's that for me, and I find myself now because you know if the profession I'm in watching it a little bit differently and i've you know written about this and talked about this in a few places like what the joy i have gotten in it over the past couple years is like dr loomis is the worst (laughs) absolute worst psychiatrist Mm. in movie history i mean folks i don't need to tell you this but one of the things like um it would be an ethical violation to shoot your times. Right. Patient five Let alone
3: 6 times. 6 times. Or 6, times. <laughs> six yes. times,
0: yes. 5 would be okay apparently. 6 yeah. you're over the top. <laughs> but just like I in Donald Pleasance, is just he's so brilliant and he brings this like really just like you know there's so few moments in this franchise where you actually see Loomis actually relax and kick oh, yeah. back a little bit, but that moment when he's like, hey, Lonnie, get yeah, your uh-huh. ass out of here, and then just like smiles to himself. Yeah, when like, he's when really he's screwing wonderful. with the kids, yeah, um, like
1: that that, yeah. that part, I did like completely mm-hmm. like did not remember right. that little moment, and I thought it was so funny when I was watching mm-hmm. it the other day. Yeah. <laughs> I was like what the yeah. hell? He's just like right. fucking with kids over what? here. Like... And then like
4: Bracket immediately gets exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Yes.
0: It's, uh, um, it's great. But I'm, I'm struck by You know, him saying, like, I tried to get through to him for, like, the first seven years. And for the last eight, you know, I've tried to convince anybody, everybody to keep him locked up. I'm like, did you ever think of maybe having someone else treat him? Like, you know, maybe. (laughs) Maybe the problem might
1: be you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So I just, like, Mm -hmm. find myself giggling over like that like more and more as the years as the years go on um, and by part five he's using small children as bait which again <laughs> oh yeah which, oh my which god again, we <laughs> do not in our profession we do not encourage <laughs> using small children as bait. so
3: well in the second one doesn't he just like shoot on a street full of trick-or-treaters oh, he does he yeah.
0: is he is absolutely um the cause of death for one Ben Tramer. So <laughs> do you R. think that R. was he's...
3: kind of a loose canon?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Do you think it's he's becoming yeah. that character is becoming influenced by like the '80s cop movie kind of character? Because he's kind of he, I know he's not a cop in this movie, but he mm-hmm. kind of plays the cop, the protector, mm-hmm. you know, uh, archetype. And so like my you know uh, '80s cop movies are hilarious to me because they're always doing so much collateral damage that could not possibly <laughs> mm-hmm. be <Yeah>. justified. <laughs> I
0: just thought it was just showing like how much of a danger that he thought michael represented that this Mm -hmm. otherwise Mm -hmm. like very calm cool and collected professional just like had his blinders on like he could not see it any other way but poor laurie like ben tramer goes to his death thinking that laurie thought he was the hot shit like he never yeah she never got the chance to recant that uh
3: yeah although <laughs> I, I mean i, think, I guess uh, if you're gonna go out you better might as well go out before mm-hmm. you get down yeah so. yeah go out
1: thinking you're the man dog mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm sorry sorry
4: <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting to, to to draw from the film that uh, when i when i did a review a couple years ago for its uh, god was it 40th at the point yeah 40th um uh, one of the things that dwelled on a little bit was doubt and how the film is so much about doubt mm-hmm. and how everyone doubts Dr. Loomis and it's the rage he feels from that, that, that sense of doubt. And, you know, everyone doubts Lori mm-hmm. and the collateral damage that stems from that. And even, uh, you know, Tommy Doyle, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he's been talking about the boogeyman the whole time and, and you know, that throughout the whole film, all, these three principal characters are pretty convinced about what's going on and no one around them is believing them. And, and, you know that's a first off that's a great recipe for a horror movie and for a halloween story but Mm -hmm. it's also a really great commentary for why the source of rage you know Mm -hmm. um and and i think that that kind of manifests for sure in dr loomis where he's just reached his 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 wits end Mm -hmm. um And I think there's a lot to relate to that now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: When you're uh, witnessing an existential threat that no one believes in or is doing anything about, like, yeah, I can't imagine what
3: parallel we could be drawing here <laughs> right. yeah
4: yeah
1: well there's so, the part when yeah. he's in
3: the parking lot and he's the doctor's like well why didn't you tell anybody he's like I told everybody I, uh, yeah. on every single form I wrote he's evil he's the- <laughs> there's nothing behind his eyes there's
4: Which- there's nothing more infuriating to me and like I, I, I'm i not a jealous person I'm not uh you know um I'm not the the, the the there's a lot of things that I'm not but the one thing I do that just drives me over the edge is when someone comes back and says, why didn't you tell me that? And mm-hmm. I'm, and it's something that I literally have been hammering again <laughs> and again and again and again. And I think that again, it's that doubt that doubt is such a poisonous thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and it happens day to day. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. And so. it's not always, it's, it's like, they it's just inconvenient for them to believe you you yeah. know it's like this is going to cause too many problems for me down the road and it's probably not a big deal yeah it's so frustrating that's interesting because i always think of that in context of lori um and i was rewatching it recently and i was like oh but tommy's the one it is tommy right the little boy yeah yeah. He, yeah 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 he's the one i just always think he's the little baby's ear boy um He's the one who says he's right there. He's like the mm-hmm. clearest one to point yeah, out that something right is wrong. There. Yeah, Right Right. Yeah. And I just always think about Laurie being the one that's not believed. And I think that's because it's kind of a horror trope that it's the woman that they don't believe but it's interesting I've never thought about that in the context of Loomis um I think and my think fav- about
4: their fates like throughout I mean if we're going with the original trilogy as opposed to the I don't know the the infinite timelines it's literally the into the spider-verse <laughs> of the fucking right. horror movie franchises but um if you think about it like all their fates are just are, are uh, b- they're basically poisoned by that doubt. I mean, like you look at Loomis, where he ends up in the second one, or in the I don't know the sixth one, whichever timeline. You really want to go <laughs> on that one, and then you look out also where Tommy Doyle winds up in the sixth one. And he's literally like a like he has like PTSD. He's paranoid. He's delusional. Mm -hmm. Like the same thing with Laurie in H2O or Halloween 2018,
3: whichever Mm -hmm. one you want
4: to (laughs) go. I'm just gonna hammer on how insane this franchise
3: is (laughs) um,
4: in these descriptions. But that's that's just something I really like, kind of mold on um, like a couple years ago, especially after watching like uh, uh, you know Halloween 2018. But um, and it's it's something that I think really kind of. When you brought that up, Mike, about him being a psychiatrist that's <laughs> bent. I think that's kind of, I think that ties to that a little bit, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for sure. But.
3: Well, who are some of our other favorite characters in this movie?
4: Uh, the Grave, uh, the Groundskeeper. Um. The gra-
3: Okay, so speaking of the story, like, I want to know the end of that story, and it always drives me crazy. <laughs> well, like, there's, there,
4: there's, like, a comic book series that, I guess, wrapped it up.
3: Oh, um, really? What happened? Yeah,
4: like, they they did all these, like, kind of spin-off comic book series for a while, and um, one of them did, like, a a charlie bulls uh, arc which was cute but mm. um well i mean not, not cute because it ends in a bloody massacre but <laughs> it's cute that they ended up doing it because literally everything in this in this original film at least has been turned into either like a fan fiction story or a comic book or a spinoff or you know so it's it's funny how little things like that yeah along yeah. the way with this
3: that's one of the things i do really like about this movie it's very much like a gen movie in that it is empty enough for me to kind of project anything I want onto <laughs> it, you know, <laughs> which is something that I love to do. But it's got enough that it has a, sub- a substantial story, mm-hmm. but it's sparse enough that you can really kind of interpret it. Um, the more that I watch this, Lori is like one of my all-time favorite characters, but I love Annie in yes. this movie. love Annie. And yeah. I it, her death, I think, is the one that I think is the saddest or that breaks my heart the most.
4: Yeah, I I I absolutely adore Annie and I think that it's just because if I was one of the three girls it would certainly I would certainly be Annie. Um <laughs> <laughs> I just I just have a, a I love her sass. Um I love her attitude. I mm. love her like kind of um way that she kind of looks at life, you know? Like it's just mm-hmm. like, "Oh, shucks." Mm-hmm. You know? Um but at the same time there's like a, a little bit of anger, right. uh, mm-hmm. you know, out, out of it and so edge yeah she's got an edge and that's why i kind of like the reboot or not the reboot the remake how they kind of let annie have a little bit more of an arc um even you though mean um, arc... rob zombies one in rob zombies one mm-hmm. yeah yeah um they i just love that they actually give her more of an arc um and arguably should have been the second uh movie's uh, main character because uh, Daniel yeah. harris is amazing in it but um and, and it, it just sucks because it's like yeah like her death is the one that hits the hardest for me um yeah. out of the entire halloween franchise i would argue um for sure. Yeah, Yeah.
0: she's a great character. She's, like you said, sassy. She's got a quick wit, like that. Mm -hmm. Mom, when she's like, like, she only babysits so she has a place (laughs) to, and she's like, shit, well, she has a place for that. Like, Mm -hmm. really quick-witted. I still, to this day, don't understand why she had to, like, when they were freaking out about smoking weed in the car and she sees her dad and Mm -hmm. she's like why are you pulling over you know i know know. but i think think at the same time like if you're a teenager and you're like just panic your brain freezes Mm -hmm. um especially if you're high right doesn't help
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: i mean you also can believe her and laurie is friends is what with one another you know even though Mm -hmm. they have some like different outlooks on things like she seems like she's a decent friend yeah so laurie overall and i just like you know it's her death is so sad because all she wants to do she just wants to like pick up her boyfriend for a night of babysitting and like fool around (laughs) which is like Look, anyone who was ever, like, a babysitter or date- dated a babysitter, like, you've been there, you know? It was, mm-hmm. like, so relatable, you know? Yeah. yeah. It does
3: make I, me never want to hire babysitters. <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> in my worry? house? <laughs> yeah. There's actually but an interesting... I, I will,
1: I'm sorry. I was going to say, there's an interesting... This is I keep bringing up this fucking podcast because I've, like, listened to it all and binged it. It's that you're wrong about. They have, I think, an episode mm. on what like the myth of the babysitter and what they represent and why they appear in this kind of media and like the idea of this young woman who is of a sexually ripe age (laughs) sorry um but you know coming into a domestic setting and and being a surrogate mother and like what that you know all everything that that implies and why they in in urban legends and media and cinema, they have to be punished, Um, you know, Uh and then obviously we've heard this talking point to talk to death about how sex is, you know, and sin is punished in these early slashers. Um, But I think that that has roots that go way further back than, Mm -hmm. you know, the 70s or like late 70s, early 80s slasher films. I think that the, the babysitter sort of represents this, Either an existential threat to the mother, a temptation for the father, and this is all, of course, through the lens of fucking patriarchy being stupid mm-hmm. as shit. Uh, but I think it's I think it's a really interesting element, and it's I don't know, it's just something I I highly recommend going and listening to that episode because they get really into like the mm-hmm. the origins of that idea, and it's it's interesting. It's like how you steal privacy when you're a teenager because you've mm-hmm. been tra- yeah. because you've been trusted to be alone in a in a house, mm-hmm. ergo you're gonna you know, fool around <laughs> like mm-hmm. you should right. not let teenagers be with your children is what I'm saying. But uh, right. no, it's, it's, it's probably fine if they are. And if they see something, you know, they got to learn sometime. Right. <laughs> That's true.
4: And I actually, I, I love I, to go back on the dynamic for friends. I kind of miss this realistic pairing that the seventies and eighties got right. And I feel like the nineties kind of just really poured some adrenaline or just injected adrenaline to all the kind of stereotypes and tropes that were in like a lot of the Hughes and 80s oh, yeah. movies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you go back to like Christine even, which is another Carpenter movie, the adaptation of Stephen King and you know, Arnie um, and uh, God, I'm going to like, I can't believe I can't remember his, uh, his best friend's name. Dennis? Um, Dennis. Yeah. Arnie and Dennis, like Dennis is like a pretty popular kid. Like he's, you know, he's not pop uber popular, but he's popular enough. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's, a jo- you know, he, he plays in the, you know, he plays sports Arnie's kind of the dork but like that's realistic like I i mean I was the dork in, college, in high school and I had a lot of friends that were like you know the cooler kids but we all hung out together because you know life isn't a cartoon and like right. it's not all caricatures and like this dynamic of the three girls is literally how like my mom's friends group was in like the 60s and 70s my mom was absolutely the Annie my, my aunt uh, Debbie uh, who I call her aunt she's like a close friend she was 100% the uh the, the Laurie Strode and their friend who was uh, it literally named Linda um is Linda <laughs> like it was just it was so like I see photos of them and you know I hear stories and then I see them together and I'm like wow this is literally what would have been like if the three <laughs> the three girls in Haddonfield mm-hmm. would have grown up like this is so wild mm-hmm. and it is so natural and it speaks again to Deborah Hill's um you know insight that she brings into this script because You go to nowadays and it's just like it's just it's just the most boilerplate stereotypes in so many movies. Mm -hmm. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, oh, these are the nerds. These are the popular people. And, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: and yeah, if you're still writing those kind of stock characters in 2020, you need to like (laughs) fucking lay lay down for a while or something. I I was also going to say that the Annie and uh, Laurie friendship does remind me of me and my best friend growing up um, because we were both we lived down the block from each other and we went to different schools, but neither of us were liked at all at our individual schools. So we ended up being just best friends cause we were lonely and we were very, very different. I mean, she was like super kind of rebellious and, and uh, took a lot of risks and I was the risk averse nerd. Um, but you know, we ended <laughs> up, we, you know, we had enough in common in terms of what we were interested in. And like, she, she helped me loosen up and I like, introduced her to a bunch of weird, nerdy shit. So, you know, uh, yep. yeah. So it, I, I definitely found that dynamic believable and relatable as well. Yeah.
3: Well, and if you compare yeah. it to the teens in H2O, um, I love Josh Hartnett and, um, gosh, Jen from Dawson's Creek, whose name I'm spacing Michelle on. Williams. Michelle Williams, Williams, yeah. I love them, but the friends are atrocious. Oh, and yeah. I think, who, who the hell wrote these? Who are these people? Um, we
0: have Kevin Williamson writing characters that, like, sound... It almost imitates like Kevin Williams trying to imitate like Aaron
4: Sorkin writing I know.
3: teen uh, characters. I know when the the part where she's trying to think of the word, I'm like, no human oh, I hate talks that. like this. I know. Yeah. No,
4: that is, oh God, every time I watch the movie, I know. I, 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 like, <laughs> I have to like go in the other room during that because it's just right. so annoying. Like all her lines are like that. I know. And, and it's just annoying. It's, yeah. It's, it's that, I mean, the scene that gets
0: me there is the guidance counselor walking in and then being like, oh, we're just going to get drunk and have like unprotected sex it's like okay have a good time like no a nobody would be that familiar with like an administrator in the mm-hmm. school um and be like that just wouldn't be the reaction so it's kind of it almost pulls you out yeah of it's the almost movie in some ways. It's like written
3: like a porn yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's just very like it wants to be like it's this edgy thing but without quite knowing mm-hmm. how to do it and i say that as somebody who loves that movie but there are a couple yeah. of things that Really, really. There are another scene with that guidance counselor that really bothers me, too, which we'll be talking about in a, a couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of our favorite parts of this movie, though? I think like my favorite part, I think, is Bob's death, as much as I hate to say that. <laughs> but I just think I want I got to think for those glasses and those bell bottoms. And I believe he's <laughs> wearing a sweater, I think. Um, <laughs> At some point, he, he
1: definitely wears a sweater. <laughs> I don't know. how <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh go sorry yeah.
1: we we can't break the chain of episodes we can't uh, you know like <laughs> i don't know does somebody wear a sweater and scream oh my god we're gonna have to really put a lot of pressure on ourselves oh it's like okay. pulled
3: over his fingers. yeah it's, it's got like the yes. it's
4: got like the madonna look um, uh-huh a little the bit.
3: little finger finger sweater
1: fingers yeah
4: Yeah, i i um he's bob is just a gorgeous specimen he looks like Stuart copeland of the police i always thought (laughs) that uh it was actually him it was fun fact is that he was originally supposed to be dennis quaid oh yeah i did see that
3: i think my brain kind of pictures dennis quaid when i look at him Mm -hmm. because he kind of is a nondescript kind of person with those glasses you know i
4: love the glasses And and i love that like they also leave the door open to the uh the van and then I know, that drove me on. crazy. I
1: was like, my OCD <laughs> then, was like, close it, close it. Well, what's
4: <laughs> creepy is that like later on you see it in the van's clothes and you almost wonder, like, ooh, did Michael do
3: mm-hmm. that? It's and like when um, when uh, Jason takes the tea kettle off in um, Friday 2. Oh, yes, yes, in Friday 2. Yeah. yeah, it's just yeah. he doesn't Oof. want the interior light to burn out, you know? No. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I talked about how I would fall asleep to the score and to the movie, and a lot of it's like any scene involving Laurie's theme, Mm-hmm. Um, is I shared it. It's like, you know, today's the first day of fall. And, um, every year I share the the track on Twitter or whatever social media network is popular at the time. And, um, and it's because it just, it's so comforting to me. And I, when we, when I first interviewed, uh, John Carpenter, I I remarked this to him. I said, you know, I got to say, I, look, you're responsible for some of the scariest movies. Uh, d- definitely, you know, some scary scores, but I will tell you that, I found myself falling asleep and loving your score for Lori's theme. And for a lot of the themes actually in Halloween, I think they are very comforting. They feel like warm blankets, like Lori's theme in the Myers house. Like I would just, I would listen to those walking around the neighborhood to get into like the spooky feeling, but that spooky feeling makes me comfortable. Like Mm -hmm, it's something mm -hmm. that I like being in. It's a, it's, it's like I used to relish the idea growing up of, of, uh, being under the covers with a, with a, you know, um, uh, with like a, a book or, or something and with mm-hmm. a nightlight and, and the, you know, I could see the, the wind blowing and the moon and um, maybe a tree branch, like, you know, brushes against mu- the, the the window and Laurie's theme and like the Myers house, like any of those scores, like they really encapsulate that feeling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why like, I, lo- I, I really, you know, I have a lot of problems with Halloween too, um, especially the Empire Strikes Back ending, but um, <laughs> I, I, I love the aesthetic in that. It's just aesthetic heaven to me because it's not only do you get that feeling of uh, one of the best parts of Halloween when it's like still late at night and things are cu- not dying down yet, but it's still like there's still like that that last gasp when things get a little wild mm-hmm. and, and you can feel the stillness in the air. Mischief but night. yes, mm-hmm. and and like, but what I also love is just the little touches that they add in that one, um, where like Laurie's like at in like her you know the hospital room. And she hears like a noise and it's just like a little branch, just like scrap scraping against the window. And that to me is why I love this franchise. Like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that just c- captures everything for me. And so for me, it's like any little natural moments, like Lori walking uh, to the house, Lori walking with Tommy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just, I love it. I have I've just am in heaven in those
3: moments. So. Yeah. Yeah. Any other favorite parts? For me, it's
1: probably all the little, those shot those long shots where Michael is standing. You know, the, the two that stick out in my mind are the clothesline and by the hedges. I just love mm-hmm. the simplicity of like a static long shot with somebody like kind of almost hidden in plain sight. Like that as a trope is always something that, that gets me. And I think it probably inspired a lot of like the best scares among which is included, uh, The Exorcist Three. There's this moment where there's like walking, all this walking happening at the end of a long hallway, and then mm. something happens at the end of that long hallway, and it suddenly zooms into that. Le- and it's just, I, I, you know, look it up if you want. But
3: it's, I, mm. I, those, I love those kind of just creepy still
1: moments in this
3: movie. That is very much my shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's like a questioning, like, should I be afraid of this Mm -hmm. or is this a normal thing? Which I think, especially kind of as a woman, like that's something I'm always kind of thinking through. It makes your
1: like lizard brain and your hairs in your back of your neck go whoop. And then like always listen, always listen to that gut feeling. Never doubt it. Never doubt it.
3: (laughs) It is the gift of fear. Yes. Yeah. I will say the Exorcist 3, I have seen that meme so many times on Twitter (laughs) um, that I was totally ready for it. And there is a huge fucking jump scare like 30 seconds Mm -hmm. after that that I was not prepared for at all. So well done Twitter. You yes. came through for me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the only time I think I would... anybody will say that. <laughs> yes. The only
1: time yeah. you can legally say that <laughs> in <Right>. the <laughs> I,
2: I would
0: say that like the when Lori discovers her friends. Mm. Yeah. Like, when she walks into That's that a bedroom great and Annie's laid out under the tombstone. Because I like to think that like there's like this childlike bit of Michael Myers that thinks that this is his idea of a trick on Halloween. Mm. Like it's not that there's a part of me that has this reading of Michael Myers, especially in this movie that he doesn't kill people because he is evil. He's killing people because he thinks that this is what you do in Halloween. Like I'm playing tricks on them and like, look, like surprise, here are your friends like laid out on bed. Mm -hmm. And here's one that comes like falling out of the closet. Like, he doesn't quite make the connection. Um, and that's why, like, because all of his killings are always in Halloween. And there's 364 yeah. more days of the year that it's just his opportunity to play these, like, little tricks on persons. And then after that, when Lori escapes from the home and is, like, banging on the neighbor's door. Mm-hmm. And he very clearly yes. sees her. And then he shuts off the light. And part of me gets it. Part of me is like, ah, fucking kids in Halloween, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm but you have this person who's in a lot of distress, and I just sometimes wonder what it might have been, le- what it was like for him the next day, like, picking up the paper and then realizing, like, what was, like, happening next door to you, and you were completely unaware
3: Right. Well, and everybody in town now knows that you didn't help, because Laurie's gonna say, hey, mm-hmm. that house that I banged <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, that
0: for guy. Free. I wonder... It's like, that's the house that gets exactly. every yeah, year yeah. by kids. I,
2: I, yeah.
1: that also, that moment always reminded me of that, like, kitty Genevieve's murder where that woman yeah. in the 60s was like stabbed to death and they say that it was like mm-hmm. urban apathy or whatever but it was really like there's a whole bunch of uh myth tied up in that and how it was mythologized mm-hmm. but that idea of like not being helped and watching someone watch you get murdered is like so creepy to me mm-hmm. and like so upsetting mm-hmm. yeah
3: yeah. Oof. I think the part that I really love about um, when she discovers her friends is part of the like the trope of the final girl is that you like carry the weight of the trauma mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you're the one who like discovers because a lot of these characters like they don't know really what's happening until they are dying. But Laurie is the one that has to carry that burden. And I just love that. I hate mm-hmm. that for her, but I love it kind of as an exploration of trauma. Hundred um, percent.
4: I always, I always wonder when I watch it, um, just because at this point, <laughs> it's really just trying to find the little, 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 little things mm-hmm. at a micro level. Um, when does she realize it's not a joke? Mm. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously there is the idea of looking at the the corpse and all, but I think there's an argument to be made that it's earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes um and and when she's 100 percent sure and and i think her reaction obviously is just because she's seeing a dead body but i i i think there's I, I'm, I'm wondering from each of you where, when do you think that she fully realizes and is 100 percent on board that something bad has happened this isn't a gag that wasn't linda making sex noises on the phone laura what do you think oh i mean Lord.
1: um I'm trying to remember the exact sequence of events now that lead up to, because I guess I didn't think about it from that lens while I was watching. So now I'm struggling to think, (sighs) I mean, I feel like she knows pretty much from the outset, but is obviously denying it to herself. Um, But I I mean, I think it is, it's somewhere between that phone call and when she goes over to the other house. And, And I, I, I wish I had given that, that, the thought that it deserves while I was watching so I could pinpoint it a little bit more but I'm not positive Mm -hmm. I couldn't say exactly
3: um I think it's when the car stops when the car's driving by and she yells and I think like that's when she knows something is wrong I don't think Mm -hmm. she knows quite what the extent of it is but I think um Every other time that you see her, she's like denying it. She's kind of in moments of stress. Like when um, Tommy's saying out there, like he's out there, like she's just found out that um, Ben Tramer now knows that she likes her. And that so like that's the distraction. And I yeah, think-
4: that's actually a good. I never thought about that. Um, And I think
3: that's one of the few times, and I I can't remember exactly the sequence, kind of like Laura, of like all of the Harbinger moments. Um, But I think she knows, and that's one of the things I think is so interesting that I could like really pick apart is when does she know and how does she convince herself that everything's fine? And how much pressure is put on her to convince herself that this is fine so that she doesn't, I mean, I could go on a whole soapbox about (laughs) listening to women, but yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like when she walks into the home, and I think there's a difference in the kind of quiet in a home where it's just yeah. quiet and people are playing a prank versus, like, there's not another living, breathing person mm-hmm. in the home. Like, think about think about the times when you've, like, have walked into your own home and no one else has been there versus times you've walked into your home and maybe your partner is just, like, mm-hmm. reading mm-hmm. or... Doing something quiet, like there's definitely there's a weight in the air. Yeah. Yes. And I think that she could feel like the absolute, you know, that weight. that weight, I think when she walked in, she could immediately feel the mm-hmm. difference. And that's why she went upstairs. I mean, she, you have to kind of confirm yeah. it for yourself at that point. And you're, you're compelled. You cannot help the fact that even though you know what's going to be on the other side of this door is going to be very terrible. Um, you almost have to confirm it for mm-hmm. yourself.
4: Yeah. I, one of my favorite moments also, and my favorite shot of the film is when Tommy looks out the window mm-hmm. and for the first time when he's trying to scare Lindsay and he sees him just, um, actually, no, 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 it's, it's not when he's trying to scare Lindsay. It's the first time when she's on the phone and he sees just him standing there and the kids walking, like running in the front. Like it's such a mm-hmm. perfect portrait of this franchise. Um, mm-hmm too because it's just like he's he is literally the shape and what the hell is he doing just standing there mm-hmm. like it's just it's right on the lawn for the law lo- the wallace's house he's not even mm-hmm. really looking inside he's just staring at like i mean at tommy at the kids going by it's just such an eerie shot and then again when the carpenter does this amazing use of i think it's either forbidden planet or the thing that, that came from another planet yeah they're watching um, the I thing can't and yep. there's there's a part where it's just using the music from that while Tommy sees Myers w- walking with Annie's body into the house. Mm-hmm. And that I don't I don't think this movie is very scary just because, I, again, it's a comfort movie. Mm-hmm. But that in the laundry scene might be the like, that's what ultimately I think is like the true terror mm-hmm. of this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: I think the scariest but, uh, part that I always think is when he's wearing the sheet and he's got the glasses. Yes, that is legitimately eyes. eerie. It really is. And as much as like looking at Michael is iconic like and like seeing him across the street or like in the clothes, the clothesline, like that ghost impression, like that's what I think of when I think of like spooky ghosts, you know, and with those like seventies glasses on and how just chilling it is that Linda does not know. Yeah. Like Linda thinks that's her boyfriend, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. what where
1: the, it's just, we know that she's about to be murdered, but she has no idea. And that's where the dramatic tension comes from in that yeah. moment um mm-hmm, yeah. i feel like i had another also wanted
3: there. um well i want to shout out the um the classroom harbinger scene which oh I my am god a huge fan of it's always that I, 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 I wanted to right. i wanted
1: to say i'm like just once in one of these movies can they be discussing something in english class that isn't thematically relevant to the film right <laughs> like, can they <laughs> or just, or just maybe be like just
3: math class yeah yeah like
1: yeah we're just talking about the fucking pythagorean theorem and then it's like doesn't it have anything mm. to fucking do with how you're all about to get murdered Although right. my favorite harbinger classroom scene is still, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street. I just because the way yeah. that like Tina
3: cut co- anyway. But mm-hmm. well, and Lynchay too. Yes, yeah, yeah. Lynchay
1: there. It's
4: would be would be funny if like in Scary Movie to to parody the scene. They're like doing like finger painting. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or it's like dodgeball or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, it's dodgeball, um, and
1: he's giving a lecture. He's like, when you have the ball
3: the ball will come at you and then you must dodge
1: the ball. And then creepy music starts
3: playing. (laughs) You look over and there's somebody just like holding a dodgeball. Yes. Staring. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like Pennywise Um, red. Yeah. yeah. I'll stop. I'll (laughs) stop.
3: Well, are there any other moments that we want to call out before we move on to our uplifting moment or any, any final thoughts that we want to say about Halloween?
0: Perfect. Yeah, yeah I
3: love the breathing and like the, and it took me like, I'm a little embarrassed to say, took me a couple of watches to really get what he was doing there, but I just love it and the thought that he could be anywhere, you know?
4: Yeah. It, if
0: I have one complaint about the 2018 <laughs> yeah, I know movie, um, <laughs> it kind of like, it really upends the, it really does upend like the ending of mm-hmm. Carpenter's movie. It's like, you have this like perfect, like, evil can be anywhere and he disappeared into the night and then like actually what happened is he like kind of stumbled down the street it's, keeled yeah. over and a bunch of like you know local yokels like took him it in is in the custody.
4: stupidest idea i have seen in any sequel of a horror movie since like the halloween resurrection uh, paramedic <laughs> thing i i was dumbfounded when uh, I mean, you should have seen me in the theater when I was at the press screening for this. I, I literally had to fight myself to walk out because really, I, I, because it, right there, because like for you know before this all started for Halloween 2018, you know they announced that they were going to be doing this thing called like Halloween Returns, and. It was originally going to be like after two, and it was going to actually follow like Deputy Hunt, and it was going to be this all other thing. It was probably going to be garbage, and it was about like Myers on death row. But the idea that they were going to ignore all the sequels and go back and do like sort of a Superman return slash like um, a bunch of other sequels or recall, recalls, legacy sequels, that they were going to do this, and so I said, well why don't you get rid of all the complexities of this franchise and just go back to the original ending, that he's still out there, that mm-hmm. he, d- he has no ties mm-hmm. to Laurie Strode, he doesn't even really have any ties to any characters, Loomis is gone, you could do whatever you want, you could set it in any time period. So what do they do? They make it that he's caught, kill 40 years of, pot- of potential story by putting him in jail, and then also give him all the complexities and problems of all the sequels that came with it, which was like <laughs> the wild doctor that had, mm-hmm. that believed in cult like ideas. The, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the weird reason why he's hunting Lori, even though they're not related in this. And you got rid of that. Like, it was just, it was as if someone like, you know, cleaned up a mess. And it, it was reminding me of like Chevy Chase's, uh, Gerald Ford, um, uh, <laughs> sketch where he just <laughs> keeps falling and throwing and hitting things. And it's just like, Oh God, this supposed to be a man of <laughs> prestige. But so yeah, that, drives me nuts and I and I and I and it makes me even more angry knowing that like Carpenter was like oh yeah it's a great idea thank god he stopped them on the original idea changing oh, the ending
0: god. well Carpenter's is very much and I think I said this recently I think we were talking about Freddy's dead on the Pod and the pendulum and for whatever reason like Carpenter came up um I think we were comparing like Wes Craven's reaction to all the mm-hmm. Elm Street sequels versus carpenters reaction to the halloween and i think carpenter has the healthier outlook on it where he's like look i'm gonna hold out my hand and yeah (laughs) exactly and if and and depending on the number of zeros that are in that check like i will tell you whether or not you have my Mm -hmm. blessing to do this and i think that's like a very healthy outlook um And I think the Losers Club members can appreciate this because Stephen King has always said, like, if you make a terrible adaptation of my movie, Mm the book still stands. You've done nothing to hurt. Um, And I'm someone that, like, I really like the Halloween 2018 movie mostly. Like, Mm -hmm. I mostly enjoy it. I didn't think that Michael was hunting Laurie. I always thought that, like, he didn't even recognize her. Like, he just... And I think we'll, you know, spoiler alert. for when we talk <laughs> about Halloween and our um, like trauma, like him representing trauma, like your trauma just doesn't mm-hmm, give a shit about mm-hmm. you, um, you know. And it's always like he ends up at her house, almost like he gets an Uber ride there. Basically, <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah. Said, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a gig economy. That man. Is a man. Gig you man. Gotta economy. go from uh, slash um, to slash. You know, so... take where
1: you can get. You know... yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think like it is. The perfect oh, ending. So
4: I mean,
3: it just mm-hmm. yeah. I mean,
1: it's yeah. it's the iconic horror movie ending. It's what you think of when you think of horror movie endings. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Like
3: yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: You know, there's only one that I can think top it that tops it, um, and it's what this movie is inspired by, um, mm. and it's you know some argue that it's uh, this is actually a spiritual sequel, Black. but. Yeah, mm-hmm. Black mm-hmm. Christmas yeah, because I because mm-hmm. you want to talk about a scary slash. Oh, movie, I love that I still movie. Think that's the most... I-, I watch it. I think it's one of the most mm-hmm. frightening movies of all. Time. I
1: do save it for Christmas time, and it's my mm-hmm. that and Christmas mm-hmm. Evil. I watch every Christmas, and I think they're both they're both like wonderful <laughs> movies. I I really do find Black Christmas terrifying because it feels very real, whereas this feels yeah. mm-hmm. you know these slasher films, uh, this uh, Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street, all sort of almost make the villains a little supernatural a little otherworldly mm-hmm. black christmas is like mm-hmm. there's just some fucking guy calling you up and doing creepy shit to you and it, it feels so it's like so much more unsettling and icky feeling and it really puts you in that mm-hmm. ugh, like the violence toward women feels a lot more i don't know i guess just oh, real God, yeah. like you know it feels like this yeah. is something that could have happened and i could see happening to me versus all these other movies i'm like this no i, I can suspend yeah. my disbelief a bit yeah
3: mm-hmm yeah
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, shall we move into our uplifting moment? Yeah. I think to close out, (laughs) I think we should. All right. Um, So, our uplifting moment is to where we share our grounding and coping techniques and our self care. So, um, I'll start with my, so I don't really have any self-care this week, although I've been still watching a lot of supernatural, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, thank you, Michael Rothman <laughs> for suggesting that to me and Sammy. Um, but I, my therapist suggested something this week that I have been using cause it, last week was just a rough week for me. And I had a lot of kind of, um, sad days and trying to kind of get myself productive um, and she suggested when you're feeling or like when you're starting to have a panic attack or you're starting to feel stuff come on, try to think of a number that you're at right now. And then just like breathe and see how you can concentrate on getting yourself to a lower number. Hmm, I like and that. I loved that because it was so simple. And like I have like my little tricks, you know, that I use or like my little mantras I say. But sometimes if I don't catch it in time, I can't remember them in the moment. And this was just like something that I could latch on and I was like okay I'm at an eight right now and then I just sat down and I just brought myself down to a six and then by the time like that concentrating on breathing and just trying to think of numbers I think just kind of lowered my blood pressure and it, it helped a lot so yeah nice. I really like yeah. the
1: simplicity of that I feel like that's something important to remember is keep it simple because when you're freaking out like you just need right
3: need yeah yeah and that's the thing I'm working on is trying to catch it before I get to that point but you know some days you can, and some days you can't, you know? Indeed. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mike, do you have anything you want to share?
0: Um, It's been a week. It's um, our daughter is doing remote learning three days out of five. And my wife and I are back in the schools. Like her job as a psychologist, me as a counselor. Um, I We get to work out of home a couple days a week to be with her. But like essentially our job my job in particular has been like tech support for kids that are all learning mm-hmm. remotely in my district uh so all day it's calling and walking kids through and i'm like i didn't go to grad school for this like mm-hmm. this is just not what i want to do right now um so it's been a bit of a week i found myself like putting together like all right what are some tasks that i can do that are like relaxing and calming that need to get done so like on Saturday, I um, or on Saturday or Sunday, Sunday I stained our deck because um, it needed to get done, and literally like plowed through a bunch of Halloweenies episodes. <laughs> like, nice. I am not kidding. I like, did a bunch of re-listens nice. on specifically on the Friday the Thirteenth series. Mm. Oh, I they're think very I fun. I got through like two through five, I think, <laughs> um, and like in between the deck drying, like started the build out some halloween decorations and design some ideas for the front yard like things we're going to do and i found like that really kind of relaxing and really try to be conscious of my thoughts when they were turning negative Mm. towards something and like well why is that like what is the evidence and like very quickly like all right this is why that's actually not true and if i react this way it's going to go poorly here's a different way to think about it and here's what's actually going on. And I found like that has definitely taken me from like an eight to like a five or a six mm. and it's made it way more manageable to kind of get through the past past week. It's def- And just kind of remembering like, we're all in this right now. Like everyone's kind of experiencing the same thing. Yeah. Other than that, we did like the lo- local haunt turned their stuff into a drive-in. Oh, yes, nice. you were talking and about that. I so- love that idea yeah so we did American Werewolf in London and the Thing and they literally had haunt actors like walking up to your car and like knocking on the windows oh, and so like cool. peering fun. in Um, and it freaked Ada out so bad. And I made her, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go buy a few drinks for us at the concession stand. You have to come with me and help carry them. (laughs) She's like, I don't want to. I'm like, sorry, I can't carry them all. (laughs) So she was like, I hate you. This is child torture. I'm like, yep. (laughs) So definitely trying to scare my daughter. You're Um, just... Brought me it's so are you scaring
1: her or soothing. building her resilience Oh, <laughs> uh, no, you're scared you're just you're just scaring her aren't you? okay yeah just, just, yeah <laughs> very good
3: uh, well, laura what do you have this week
1: well as with most weeks lately i've been struggling with my executive functions i've learned mm. that they're called which is like putting on your pants and like getting like from point A to point B in the like very small apartment that you live in and spend all your time in. Um, so I found this little website. I actually found it through my workplace. Uh, I'm part of a, a mental health and like disabilities awareness group at work. And, um, because, you know, obviously this is something I care about. And I try to find meaning where I can in this destitute <laughs> life that I lead. <laughs> um, so this little thing is called youfeellikeshit.com. I sent it to you guys. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I did. And it's really yep. simple. And it's such a simple thing where it's it's literally, like, basically taking you through Maslow's hierarchy of needs of, like, what oh, can nice. I get done right now? And so basically, like, It's basically like a self-care game is what it's called. And it's like, if you struggle with self-care, because that's my whole thing is like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to do besides just lie here very still in the fetal position for six hours. So it's like it, like you click and it's like I'm ready for the first question and it's like have you eaten in the last four hours and if you say no it's like go and eat and come back to the game when you've eaten something and like then it's like click to the next thing and it's like are you tired well maybe consider taking a nap and don't and you don't get to go to the next step until you accomplish that very baseline shit so depending mm. on where you are that day if you haven't been able to make yourself eat or sleep or whatever, it takes you through those things. And it kind of takes the decision-making out of it. Cause sometimes I get choice paralysis with like every Mm -hmm. little thing that you have to do just feels like too much. Um, And so I like, this is basically just a robot is telling you to do things and then you go and do them. And when you're done, you can come back and if you're still not feeling great, it will tell you another thing to do. Um, So I find that really helpful and it just takes the anxiety out of having to choose what to do. On, mm-hmm. on those days that I'm feeling really, really bad. So,
3: yeah. Uh, and I'll make sure with that we link that website too in show notes and a write up. Cool. Yeah. Well, Michael, do you have any uh, self care or grounding or coping that you want to share?
4: You know, it's uh, always a, a garbage fire in my head. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> am, you're,
1: you're in good company uh, here. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's,
4: it's uh you know, there's the little things that you got to success is, uh, you know, like I came into this year. Um, Uh, you know, a smoker and now I'm just a casual smoker, which is great. Mm. Um, You know, like once every, you know, blue moon or whatever. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. which has been fun. And so like, you know, for me, what I've learned throughout this pandemic is um, you just got to take one thing at a time. You know, like I, there's been so many times where I just, I'm like, all right, well, if as long as I have the checklist in my head, I'm going to be able to take, tackle it and it's just not going to work. It just never works. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's, it's been, all right, I got this. And it's almost like the the quote from West wing with like present part. It's like, what's next? Mm. And I'm like, all right, well, that's what I'm going to do next. And so lately for me, what I've been really trying to focus on is, um, giving myself like, like essential time to unplug, even if it gives me anxiety. Like, um, I, you know, I work in media, so it's like constant just 24 seven on the computer and, um, it's like Michael Michael Keaton in the first twenty five minutes of Multiplicity. So you're just like constantly <laughs> like, oh god, I wish there was another person here. Um, but for me, what I've what I've really been doing is uh, my girlfriend walks dogs, so um, I've been trying to give myself at least an hour um, every other day. Not every day. Um, <laughs> I'll get there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to give myself an hour, like on like you know at least not even on like Tuesdays and Thursdays, just like be around the dogs, uh, be outside, walking around, and. I've seen that it's certainly made, uh, it's definitely just helped my, um, my like, just giving me a better uh, demeanor mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just that and, like, not trying to put everything on the table at once has been something I've been trying to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, pandemic stuff, I, I think also having an activity... Has been great. I mean, I kind of overdid the blue aprons, so we're kind of exhausted by those. <laughs> but um, I also have you know, been doing the
1: Hello Fresh meal kits. So yeah, give, yeah, I have never cooked as much in my life as I have been during Me the last. Oh few my months. god! Yeah, it's crazy.
4: Except I think I've. I, I think we all reached a point where we were just like, Oh, we, we can cook tonight, but the kitchen's clean. Yes. yes. I do so, know that
1: feeling. Cause mm-hmm. then you're like, I just did all the dishes. You mean I'm going to have yeah. to do them all <laughs> again? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. So, but that's me. I mean, it's, uh, it's been, um, it's definitely been a year. Holy shit.
3: Yes. It really has, man. It's, and that's one of the things I keep coming back to is like, it, it's okay to not do everything. It's okay to not be perfect. Like it's okay if I didn't get, like every single thing on my list done because that was like a standard that Mm -hmm. I would hold myself to for a long time and this year I think has really just kind of been a year of teaching me that that's just not it's not possible Mm -hmm. or it's possible and I just hate myself all the time you know (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you do have a lot of exciting things going on this year Um, what's coming up for Losers Club and Halloweenies
4: uh well, Losers Club and Halloweenies are ramping up for a very 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 exciting uh October. We have like so many tricks and treats. Um, we're gonna be we just announced our two panels at Salem Horror Fest, so we're gonna be reuniting uh the original kid cast of uh, the It miniseries on the Losers Club, and uh Randall and I are hosting that on oh god uh, two nights from now, so um <laughs> that's gonna be on Zoom, and then uh halloweenies are going to be talking to uh, a lot of the principal cast members and um director tommy mclaughlin from uh, jason liz uh, which turned out to be i think our highest rated um uh friday 13th entry it's my
1: favorite for sure it's so good (laughs) i
4: just love it um and then we also have a lot of really fun stuff on on both respective podcasts i mean i'm we're going to be doing the american werewolf uh commentary for halloweenies we have uh uh, we're going to be announcing our schedule for Halloweenies uh, next month, but we're going to be doing uh, Jason goes to Manhattan and then losers club. We're taking a break. Uh, Cause we, we have Rose Matter out this week, but um, or, th- or the Matter was our last uh, King book episode. But in October we are actually taking a break from King and we're going to be doing a new feature called dance macabre, where we're going to be talking about all the books that he recommended in his book, dance macabre. And we're going to start with Ooh. the haunting of Hill house. So um yeah a lot of fun and uh you know just lots of supernatural stuff that we're going to be discussing and <laughs> Jen it is, is spooky season. Part, of part of it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it a, yeah it's the busiest time of the year but I love it it's my it is. Time of the
3: year. I yes. know it's yeah all... I look at my two watch list coming up and I'm like ah oh, I'm tired but I want to watch all of these three times yes at least they're Enough. all
1: enjoyable watches yeah <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Well, and we are going to be part of Salem Horror Fest as well, um, talking about a very familiar topic. We're going to be looking at Laurie's, how we see um, PTSD manifest in Laurie in H2O and H18, or as I I always think of it as New Halloween. Um, But we're going to be (laughs) comparing um, how we see PTSD in those two movies. And I think as kind of this episode has shown, we have a lot of thoughts about both of those stories and the way Laurie kind of, um, navigates that, um, everything that we talked about happening to her today. So I'm really excited about that. Same. Um, yeah. And we are going to continue our uh, topic on PTSD with um, looking at another favorite final girl. We're going to look at Sydney, and not just in one movie. We're going to look at Sydney's arc in Scream 1, 2, and 3. Yes. So that's going to be coming up next Thursday, so make sure you are – and we're going to try to stick to just her. Yeah. There's probably a lot we can – we'll probably be doing a comfort horror episode about Scream. we right. do gonna...
0: four hours on Gail, <laughs> no, on Gail, we can't. On Gail <laughs> Weathers' lime green outfit. Oh, oh yeah, we
1: yeah. could just do Gail yes. uh, Weather's yes, Gail Weather's bangs uh, epi- like series. We'll just do we'll just call it <laughs> the, the Bang Chronicles, and I, I we, oh. we will really try to discipline ourselves to stick to Sydney in you know Sydney and her character and how her PTSD develops in this episode. So it'll yes. be an interesting challenge to put to mm. ourselves <laughs> to see if I can... will be
3: talking about Stew Sweater though. Oh. I just want to yeah. say nice. and never fear, I'm definitely gonna less. make.
1: Yes, <laughs> we have to. We can't break the sweater chain. And I, I know. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Matthew Lillard and his weird voice and Ooh. stuff. So, um, mm, yeah. Well, yeah. it's going to come up. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, well, Michael, where can we find you on social media?
4: Uh, you can find me at, at Michael Rothman or uh, the show's at Losers Club Pod or at Halloweenies Pod um, and all our work at, uh, at Consequence for, I think, all socials at this point. So, yeah. Mm. Um, And also be sure to follow the consequence podcast network. We got so many other shows and we're going to be rolling out some, uh, some new ones. Uh, We have another season of assembly. That's going to launch probably around uh, November. We're kicking it around, but it's uh, all on David cross and the guest list is unbelievable for this season. So it's coming back big, um, you know, and then you get triple dose of Kyle Meredith and this must be the gig is every other week. And, you know you we've got uh psychoanalysis which we're on right now
3: <laughs> are you plugging, <laughs> the, very the,
2: show yeah, I'm plugging the show
4: that you're on <laughs> we've got you know the horror version every monday we got i mean it's just it never ends it's just mm-hmm. there's just so much that's that that's that's been and i'm totally missing shows i know that and they're going to kill me for for doing that but uh <laughs> There's but there's so many, it, it, yeah. which is
3: a it's an embarrassment of ridges. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's
4: not bad. It's not bad. It's a yeah. it's a good place to be.
3: And you can find all of those if you just follow at consequence on all the socials. Yes. Yes. We share them uh, on a day-to-day basis. So, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Um, Mike, where can they find you?
0: So you can find me at Mike underscore You can also find me uh, on our other show, The Pod and the Pendulum. Um, if you're a fan of Halloweenies, I would say like we are a good companion to... Totally. Um, what's funny is like I had the idea for the show back in grad school, and I'm like, I will do this once I'm done, and I have time, and no one's doing this. And then like my last semester <laughs> of school, I stumbled upon Halloweenies, and I'm like, oh. sons <laughs> of bitches. Um,
2: but it's...
4: Well, you could be on any time, and I will say um no, I, love we, Halloweenies. We have, I think it's such a great yeah i mean honestly anytime you want to be on let me know jason um, goes to we, hell we'd love to have you oh honestly we are looking for jason guests for that, goes so to please. hell i love that yeah. movie jerry hated it oh nice actually then we should get you yes. on because vanderbilt needs yeah. uh company absolutely oh
0: yeah absolutely he has <laughs> my sword um but yeah. jerry and i jerry and i are just well By the time this drops, we're taking a little break from our coverage in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise because all we have left is the remake. And. (laughs) um, No, no. Yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) But in October, we're going to be doing like our first. We're going to shift a little bit from doing franchises all the time to maybe do some themes. So I know in February we're doing like French extremity February, um, in October, (laughs) we're going to be doing movies that are set in or around Halloween season, or at least have that like holiday feel. So like the trick or treat, it's going to be a movie we cover. Um, the W W N U F Halloween special, Oh, I love I that. love oh. that movie, so we're yeah. going to be covering that. I know that it's not necessarily a Halloween movie, but Fade to Black, I think we're going to do, because...
4: I have been holding yeah, off on watching same, that. Yeah. Same
0: here. We have a really good guest lined up for that, too. Um, and we have our Patreon episodes coming out. We're going to be doing 976 Evil in September, and the... Um, House on Haunted Hill in October. We might make it a twofer where we compare and contrast the Vincent Price film and the um, remake. The from Famke Janssen one. Yes, I love <laughs> Famke Janssen. She I is definitely you. like before there was Tony Collette, there was Famke Janssen, and she's just mm-hmm. stunning in that movie. By the way, just absolutely like lovely in that movie. Um, yeah. So, and we're going to be doing some reader uh, view along, some watch parties. We just got like. It's October, so we're going to be dropping like a ton of content and having a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, like follow us over at Pod and Pendulum because I think we're pretty
3: great. <laughs> Love Laura... it. That's a great lineup. Great lineup. <laughs> I okay. know. Listen all, yeah. guys. It's October. I'm so excited. Oh. I'm just I know. This everybody is talking awesome. about Halloween is not month.
1: canceled in my heart. I no. like. No. I, I was saying I think before we started recording that I have a, a target cart of like mm-hmm. 120 dollars worth of Halloween just garbage that i'm gonna plaster all around my Mm -hmm. apartment because i want to (laughs) look at sparkly glittery halloween things and feel like a child that's all i want Mm -hmm. to do i'm gonna make this my little halloween womb if it kills me right Uh, and i'm just (laughs)
3: never gonna take any of it down either oh hell no that should just live here i
1: have a whole plan for how i'm gonna punk my neighbors with this stuff already so um (laughs) yep it's gonna we're gonna be there's gonna be some decor that stays up outside
4: well, if I recall, um, you know, 10 years ago when we were at your, uh, ha- you know, ha- uh, New Year's Eve party uh, <laughs> for, for for when we thought 2020 was going to be so great. Yes, you um, did bring
1: in the new year with me in my apartment. And that was the first and last of uh, gathering that I've had inside this fucking place. Uh,
4: well, I just remember seeing a bunch of Halloween decorations up then. Yes. Um, so my, that was cool. I have
1: a Halloween themed bathroom. So That's <laughs> ah, yeah. nice.
0: Claire yeah. will not allow me to put up. I was I was aiming for September first, and she's like, "Absolutely not! You're not doing that." But it's Halloween season. But it they're, is slowly, Halloween season. they're slowly, they're <laughs> slowly have been making like one at a time. Have been making their way upstairs.
3: Very good. Just by I themselves, argue, right? They're sentient. Mm-hmm.
4: Look, I argue that it was good enough to release Halloween HGO on August 5th, 1998, and go. so August 5th is when I start my Halloween. <laughs> <season>.
3: Yeah, that <laughs> set everyone. the precedent. They really did. Yeah.
1: It comes. here. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Oh Well Laura,
3: where can we find you online?
1: You can find me on Twitter at underalls U-N-D-E-R-A-L-L-S, like your little under panties. <laughs> Uh and you can find me on Instagram at Instaglum. Instagram but sad instaglum. <laughs> uh that's about in both places I just talk shit and uh post cool cool pics Uh Hot shit and cool pics. That's me online. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I'm on on this podcast. You can find me on this podcast, Psychoanalysis. This very one. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, you can also occasionally find me as a rotating loser on Losers Club. And once in a while, I pop up on Halloweenies, too.
3: You can find me um, at Jenferatu on all of the socials, Jen with two Ns. Um, You can find me on this very podcast. And um also a rotating loser on the losers' Club. Um, yeah, and writing stuff for consequence occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's me. Um, and this was really fun. I it's a lot of fun. I know. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, for being our, our guinea pig guest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and this was just such a fun movie to talk about. And I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of these kinds of episodes where we just get to talk about why we love horror, you know, and like the, the great things that it does for us. Um, yeah. So um, on that note, guys, um, we came here to chew bubblegum and take care of ourselves. And... and- we're, We're all love out love of bubblegum. Gum. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.